Welcome to episode 66. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for being patient as somebody had to recover from a little, sounds like bronchitis maybe, or yeah, just laryngitis. The plague. The oh. plague. All right. <laughs> so, we apologize. Yeah, so I feel like I have some catching up to do. Um, hmm. If my voice is a little different or if I crack somewhere in the middle of this uh, episode, it's because I've had some sort of flu, something. I rarely get sick, and so when I do, it, it usually wipes me out a little bit. And um, whatever I had, cough, sore throat, lots of gunk, um, is hmm. finally on the outs. And now I just have a voice like a 12-year-old boy, so I will occasionally crack. I don't know what like you mean by through that. Puberty. It's fine. <laughs> it's like super low, and then there's like an octave I'm missing, because when I'm singing along inside my helmet, there's like a point where my voice just stop, like sound stops coming out, and then it starts coming out again. <laughs> oh, it's all right. So there's like, there's like something that's missing. But anyway, um, yeah, so I guess the last time we were talking, um, I talked about the quail, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's a lot of stuff. Other than being sick, I've had a lot of stuff going on. I wasn't even supposed to be around here this month. I was supposed to be on a professionally arranged and funded tour, and that fell through. Oh. And in the interim, I was supposed to have the guy that I was seeing babysit my house because he was closing escrow on his house. So given the fact that that trip fell through, we've been living together. <laughs> And uh, I have not lived with anyone since 2012, mm -hmm. so it's been um, been a while. That that said, the arrangement has been uh, pretty effortless, so no complaints on my end. Good. And uh, the last week and a half, I've been home a lot, and he's kind of been out and about doing work stuff. So um, it's been kind of interesting. But uh, apart from that, why we ride the the producers and directors of that movie that came out a couple years ago. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out, whywe-ride.com. They had their inaugural ride up to the Quail Motorcycle Gathering. Now, I was supposed to be gone all this month, so I was going to miss Overland Expo. So I didn't really have any plans when, when that trip fell through to go out to Overland because it was too late for me to um, get on board to teach a, teach a seminar. So I just decided, you know, I'm it's probably not just worth my while to, to go because I've got a couple of other things in the pipe. I'm kind of busy at work. I'm still covering for my boss. So that'll continue through August. So I decided to stay at home. And then the the ride to Quail kind of came up. And I thought, you know, I haven't been to the Quail Motorcycle Gathering ever. And I keep endeavoring to go. And now that I've gone to Overland Expo and I'm kind of on that route, it's always the same weekend. So when that came up, I, I was like, okay, I'm on it. But I didn't want to take my BMW because it has the knobby tires on it. And I just didn't want to do a long distance ride with it. So <clears throat> after uh, after thinking about what I could do, I basically um, took the new Yamaha T-Max uh, 500 scooter. So a CVT automatic transmission and uh, 530cc technically. And it was actually a lot of fun for being a scooter virgin, Is it never twin? being on one. Yeah, yes, parallel twin. Never being on one ever before, and That's especially so something automatic. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, this was going to be a good thing for me because usually press rides are a day and you're maybe riding five hours tops, um, counting all the stops and whatnot. So this would be an interesting trip. And, of course, uh, the Why We Ride group was primarily uh, Indian Motorcycle was a sponsor, and so there are quite a few Indian Motorcycles uh 
couple Harleys and Kawasaki was also a sponsor. So there are quite a few um, Concourse 1400s as well as uh, a sport bike or two and and the Versus. So I had my work cut out for me as far as uh, who I was riding with, but never fear because when you have an 1800cc, uh, eight, 850 or 900 pound motorcycle uh, with a 530cc scooter, um, they're actually really close to being on par with each other in terms of power, oddly enough. So oh, lighter. I I was right up there. I mean, we weren't, neither of us were sitting there like just pinning it, but I can tell you that there was never a point where I was left behind or even remotely close to being left behind. And in fact, I was towards the front of the pack. So definitely not uh, underpowered on this trip. So we left on Thursday morning from the Why We Ride production office in Moorpark and did a mostly back roads through Ojai and uh, some small towns uh, ride to Pismo Beach where we had a barbecue. So we basically never hit freeway. We hit highway, but we never hit proper freeway. And had a barbecue, got to hang out with uh, with Brian Clock and Carly Cobb of Clockworks and uh, chat with some people I haven't seen in a while from Kawasaki. So it was all good fun. And then the following morning, we went on Friday from Pismo Beach up to uh, Monterey. And then uh, that's where I, I met up with some, some people as well. And that evening was a another mixer, another dinner, and an event uh, for, uh, for Why We Ride, kind of talking about the Pediatric uh, Brain Tumor Foundation and why that was the supporting charity along the ride. And Saturday was the quail. We did a group ride over to the motorcycle gathering. And I think it was all like maybe 25 people in total. And Erin Hunter Sills came along for the ride from Northern California. So she met up with us and that was fun. Uh, Finally getting to meet her in person. The event was great. I I got to see so many people that I haven't seen. I I used to live in Monterey back in the mid 90s uh, for college. And it was kind of a small world motorcycle gathering for me in a way because when I was in college I wasn't even remotely thinking about motorcycling it was completely off my radar and so some of the people that I had saw saw again um Robert Talbot is uh of Talbot Winery um also does ties um he is into motorcycles has a private motorcycle collection and had a couple of bikes I believe entered into the uh the quail gathering competition if you will and uh, his 69 uh, BMW actually won a trophy. And so he used to come and do tastings at the restaurant I worked at in college. So that was a trip, seeing uh, someone that I hadn't seen in probably 20 years. And as well, someone who's actually, you know, in a motorcycling, which, you know, neither of us. I mean, he was obviously in a motorcycling in the 90s, but I was not. And then another familiar name, as I was looking through a lot of the vintage uh, Harleys and um and uh, Indians was a guy named uh, Craig Venter, who is the mapper of the human genome. And he also happens to be the father of my roommate's ex-boyfriend from college. And so he had this private collection of, of vintage Harley and Indian motorcycles. And actually one of them won a trophy as well. So that was just kind of like just a random, uh, you know, six degrees of separation with some of these people at the event. Got to run into uh, 
to Tim Stafford, who entered one of the pieces that he was working on, BMW uh, uh, 69S, I believe. Um, and that's of Tim Stafford Restorations out of San Diego. And as well, uh, Revival Cycles, who helps put on the handbuilt show every year uh, for the last two years uh, for the Austin GP. Alan entered his uh, Ducati custom, and he also took a trophy as well. So it was kind of cool catching up with all those guys. And so <clears throat> if you want to check out my ride review of the T-Max 500 scooter by Yamaha, it is up at motorcycles.about.com. I will put the link in our show notes. Um, that basically catches... My personal life and the last trip I did up, um, another thing that was on my radar for, for news is the uh, Dainese uh, D-Air racing-equipped Masano suit, which was just introduced today in Costa Mesa at the Dainese headquarters. I was not there. However, um, if you follow or have heard of Moto Insider... Follow Moto Insider on Instagram, and that's my uh, my buddy Fonzie. He was there mm-hmm. reporting for another outlet as a freelancer, and he took video of the suit actually deploying. So the D-Air Racing Equip Misano will retail in September for the North American market for $2,500. And that suit, mm-hmm. um, the back hump, houses seven different sensors, three accelerometers, three gyroscopes, and GPS. The rider's movements are constantly monitored, and when an imminent crash is detected, a sophisticated algorithm is used to trigger a cool gas generator, and the four-liter airbag opens up in 45 milliseconds. So uh, that protects your shoulders, neck, and collarbones. So all of that uh, data as well can be downloaded to a computer. So uh, they also have a service package, so you can have unlimited rearming for two years. So that's like, I guess, kind of like a car stuffing your airbag back in um, for two years and a 15% discount for crash damage repairs. And that service package is uh, 300 bucks. So that's actually kind of inexpensive when you think about it. Uh, Hopefully you're not going to use it once, but, um, you know, if you're like a racer on like the pro or even the amateur circuit, uh, I... Personally, I mean, this is kind of what the GP guys wear. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of them wear the uh, air racing, uh, also Alpine Stars, um, the airbag-supported suits. And if I was out there going 130 miles per hour around a corner, that would definitely be something I would consider as mm-hmm. part of my uh, gear package, if you will. Well, if you can afford it. <laughs> True. A lot of amateurs aren't sponsored, but certainly, yeah, if you can. Yeah, well, I mean, most really good suits are somewhere in the ballpark of $1,000. So, I mean, granted, this is a little more expensive. It's it's two and a half times that. But, you know, if something you do casually is worth $1,000, then you figure something you probably do semi-pro, you know, yeah. it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's that. And then uh, the only other thing I have to discuss uh, separately is another Olean's recall, uh, Olean suspension failure on the Honda CVR 1000S, and that's RRSP as well. Um, if you're in a different uh, market other than North America, so any of the 2014s made between December 9th, 2013, and March 28th, 2014 as well as the 2015 motorcycles made between October 20th, 2014, and February 27th, 2015, 
will uh, have to consult their uh, Honda dealership and find out more information about the recall. So they're going to actually swap your shock assembly out, send it to the service center for repair. So you're not going to get an instant uh, fix in a day uh, with that. It'll take some time. Speaking of gear, why don't we uh, start off with this question we got from a reader from Allison. She emailed us last week. I apologize for the delay, but I figured we'd wait until we record to answer your question. And Allison is helmet shopping, so she wants a recommendation because it sounds like it's been a while since she's been shopping. She says she has a long oval, a big long oval. Um, she says a six inch by eight inch long oval head. So I guess that's length and width. Um, long <laughs> I oval. Hope so. I you, hope it's width you, and length, actually. Get, <laughs> I think six by eight, right? Uh, I mean, generally, you want to measure the circumference around your head, right above your ears, around your temples. However, um, you know, depending where you live and what, what shops are close to you or, you know, I don't know what your shopping situation is in terms of what's easily accessible to you. But uh, if you're shopping online, make sure you measure the circumference of your head. Uh, if you Google, if you go to YouTube and just type in uh, Arai Helmets, measure you'll see their really great measuring video and then that number will give you the approximate size that you should order based on you know the inches or centimeters in circumference so if you're a true long oval i would have to really only recommend a couple options one is the awry signet q because it's a specific long oval helmet um, it's a helmet that Arai made just for someone like you. And unfortunately, there aren't very many companies out there who've addressed your shape and said, we will make a helmet. Our helmet is going to be a long oval. There are a few brands like Showy and Bell that are close, but if you're a true long oval, they're not quite long enough. So I'd always recommend the Arai Signet. It's a fabulous street helmet. It's not a race helmet, so it'll be great for what you're doing. Oh, she also, you know, wanted cutouts for glasses, and there's always a gap between the cheek pad and the headliner. There's always a space right above where you need to put your glasses in, so I really wouldn't worry about that. Uh, nothing is, you know, it, it's very, I find it really hard to find a helmet that can't accommodate glasses because pretty much every company they cut their cheek pads out, or there's always this cutout between the cheek pad and the, and the headliner. The other thing, um, you know, that you wanted was a non-polycarbonate shell, which is fine, well, easy with Arai, because everything Arai makes is a fiberglass shell. Of course, that's going to come with a higher price point, but you're going to have a light helmet, a very safe helmet, a really nice wide eye port, and just a really fantastic ride. Um, but so for long oval, I'm always going to recommend a Signet Q. And you can find that, you know, anywhere online on Revzilla. Um, pretty much all your major BMW dealers, your European dealers, uh, cycle gear stores, they will also carry a Signet Q. So uh, good luck. Measure <laughs> If you can, go to a dealer and get fitted. But if you can't, you know, try uh, shopping with one of your favorite online stores. I'm always going to recommend Revzilla. You can call them and, and tell them what 
measurement you are and they'll they'll make a recommendation as well so that is that's helmets and then the other thing oh uh gear so i'm selling some pants very gently used dionese ladies new drake air textile pants and they are the pants that christy wears in all of her photo shoots if you look at any of her photos when she's riding she's usually wearing those pants so <laughs> i'm selling a pair but uh mine are bigger they're 44 so they're about a lady six maybe eight just depends on your waist so if you uh at the end of the, you know, of course, the show notes will post a link to it. I already posted the links on my blog. It's on my social feeds. Check them out. I'm listing them for 80 bucks, starting at $80. Yeah. They're, they're slightly different than mine. They're, right? No. They don't have, do they not have the long uh, padding? That, they do. The yeah. knee armor that goes from shin down yeah. to... From, it's the same. Okay. Yeah, it's never changed. They looked a little different. Same pant. Mm-hmm. Nothing different. And then, so those I'm selling. And then what else? Oh, oh, I wanted to also share a new website I've been using to trip plan. It's not a navigation or GPS app, but it is a substitute for Google Maps or MapQuest or whatever other website you might use to plan your trips out, whether it's driving or walking or motorcycling, it doesn't matter. It's called Furcot. It's German, I think. So it's spelled F-U-R-K-O-T. And huh. it's really, really, really cool. They use Google Maps, um, you know, for their mapping and database. But what I found to be really awesome is that you tell it, okay, this is where I want to start. This is where I want to end. And then you can give it parameters like I'm leaving on June 14th. I, I want to be back by June 16th. You can actually tell it what times you want to start, when you want to leave, how many miles you want to go in a day, what method of transportation you're going, whether it's bicycling or driving or on a motorcycle. You can tell it how many miles you want to go. And what it does is it'll automatically throw, first it'll suggest a route so say you're going to go San Francisco to Philadelphia. So you put those down on the map. It'll throw out a route, whatever, you know, makes sense. But then, of course, you can move the line up or down. You know, you can move it down because you want to stop in Austin. And then you can move the next part up because you're going to stop in Minneapolis or whatever. And it automatically throws in gas stops. It also automatically proposes hotel stops based on where you are and the times of day that you've told it that you want to travel. So I, um, here, I'll send you, Christy, I'll try to send you a link to this map that I just made. And um, it's just really cool because you don't have to try to sit there and figure out, okay, how many miles is A to B and when do I stop for lunch? And when am I going to need a, you know, a gas stop? Like it kind of fills those things in for you. And then, of course, it has a lot of tools built into it like Yelp. So you can search for restaurants. So you click on restaurants and it'll throw out a ton of restaurants in the region that you're looking at. And then you can click on one like, okay, I'm going to stop at this McDonald's. And you can tell it I'm going to make it a stop. And then it'll plot it on your map. 
So oh. it like puts stuff together for you if you give it specific parameters. And then of course you can just modify things as you want. Like you can move McDonald's to a Burger King if you want, or you can change your, the time that you want to finish your trip, you know, and then you can tell it, oh, and then, you know, you can also tell it when you stop somewhere, how long. So you can say, okay, this gas stop is going to be a 40 minute break, or this lunch stop has to be a 30 minute break or whatever. And then it, you know, it kind of puts the itinerary together for you. It's really freaking cool. And I, I really like it. It's the mapping is just like using Google Maps. Um, it's just a little smarter and thinks about you going on a trip and not just going A to B, you know, to get driving directions like you would on Google. So it's, huh. it's just another way to do it. Now that the trick is, is you can't use this to give you turn by turn on your phone or your Android, your iPhone or Android, you have to download another app that will act as the navigation. So you take this map you've made on this website and then you export it in a different format into the application you've chosen. So then the app will bring up your map and all the stops you've created and then it's gonna navigate for you. I haven't actually tried it yet because I've only been work playing with this in my living room. So <laughs> I'm, I don't know, it's been raining um, yesterday and today. So I don't know, I'm going to try to use it next weekend. I'm going on a ride Sunday. So we'll see what happens. And then of course, I'm going to go to West Virginia next Wednesday or Thursday for a week. So I will be testing it all next week because I'm just still trying to figure out a good app to uh, a good way to plan a trip like this using this site and then import it into an application that'll read it back to me. And there oh. are, yeah, and there, because there are a million websites where you can plan a trip, right? This is a pretty nifty one, but, you know, sure, you can use Google and plan a trip. But the trick is getting that map into something on your phone to tell you, okay, here we go. Turn left at the next, turn right at the next, and navigate the, the map that you have specifically created. So that, that little detail of of making your own route and stops and having the app feed it back to you it's such a struggle and i've been googling like crazy adv rider has a really great thread on it if you just google adv rider iphone android gps it's like 20 pages long and a, you know it's adv rider so you know there are people going like 30,000 miles from here to alaska and back and they need all of the you know gps tools now granted i know i could spend 600 dollars on a garmin zumo but i don't want to <laughs> i don't i have an iphone i know i can make this work i want to exhaust all these options before i go spend an obscene amount of money on an interface that is just not very intuitive and using my iPhone or using an Android to look at your maps is so much easier than it is on a Garmin. That's my main issue with the Garmins is when you look at it and you try to play with it, it's like you're stuck in 1995 and I can't, you know, it and, drives me crazy. And I want to say that it's actually, uh, the iPhone has completely ruined us <laughs> for simplicity. <laughs> In like format, because yeah. when I did the GSA review, 
I don't know, two or three years ago now, um, one of the things that this GSA had, which, you know, mm -hmm. for the first time ever, Christy is using GPS. And this was before I even, I think, own an iPhone, maybe. Um, no, I think I had an iPhone back then. But yeah, so three years ago, the GSA had their uh, inboard uh, BMW, like, oh. you know, integrated navigation stuff. Oh. But and it was hardwired, but it was through like Garmin. Yeah. And it, you know, that extra mm. has to be somewhere between like twelve to fifteen hundred dollars more on top of the purchase price of your motorcycle. I could not stand it. I couldn't handle it. I was like, you know what? The interface on an iPhone is easier than this. And you have to at least have mm -hmm. it be just as simple as an interface. So the iPhone has essentially ruined us for turn by turn and, and mapping navigation because if you're an if you're a competitive program right now that can't offer that really easily kind of touchscreen setup, it's just it's terrible. I I was maybe one street off of the ten because I had to get off the freeway because the the wind was so bad, and I was trying to figure out like whether or not this street you know kept uh, paralleling the ten, and so I was trying to like you know make the make the screen smaller, make it bigger, and I was like God is screw this and i get out my phone and i turn off the navigation and i'm like doing it on my phone on the side i'm like this is so ridiculous i can't stand this so i absolutely know exactly what you're talking yeah. about um yeah. you know we all have phones uh they sell hardware to uh you know hard mount it to your yep to your um bike you just have to find the right one and, and make sure that you've got something that's waterproof housing and, and you know Know, easy enough for you to not have to take all your gloves and everything off to use. So, yeah, and I'm I, all I know for that's, it as well. I know that's a selling point for Garmin users, but uh, yeah, I'm just trying these other methods, and I don't mind playing with it either to try to figure out something that works. And I've been using the Navigon app, which I think I mentioned. That's owned by Garmin, but it doesn't interact. It's the the um, interface is nothing like Garmin. They just bought the company. You know, I think they decided mm -hmm. let's buy this company. And it's pretty nifty, but you can't import. It's not easy. Like, there's not just a button. Import my map. There's nothing like that. There's this whole workaround thing where you need a PC. You need this program on a PC to make it work. And I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to spend $400 on a PC laptop when I don't need to. So this is another avenue I'm trying. Because I know that I can use a lot of apps to make a route, but it takes an hour at least to input like 40 turns that I have to make because this ain't San Francisco. I can't just input 280, 101, 92, 35 and home. This is so many turns and so many streets that I'm putting in. It takes a really long time and it drives me crazy. So I will report back after I've worked with this app a little bit, but I so far at least like the website for planning. And like I said, it's great whether you're bicycling someplace or in a car and on a road trip. It's really, really cool to, to see like, okay, how long is it really going to take me to get from here to, you know, Ohio? And it tells you the time you're spending and your fuel range, when you got to fill up and everything. It's really fun. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. And um, I'll send a link to the site. It's free, by the way. To go on their site you sign up it's free to use the maps and make your own maps it doesn't cost anything and you can export the map files out in a multitude of formats 
Um, so you know, slightly off topic, mm -hmm. but kind of on topic. Um, <laughs> Forbes magazine posted somewhere uh, 25 uh, best cities to retire in the mm -hmm. U.S. Yeah, and three of the 25 cities were in South Carolina, and, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I think South Carolina actually, not North. Um, mm -hmm. No. Mixture of North and South Carolina, but either way, even after after listening to what you say, there's either two methods that I'm going to have to employ. Uh, disregard moving to the East Coast because <laughs> I would need to adopt GPS or just allow yourself to get lost no, no. and not have to focus on directions at all because no, it, it just sounds so crazy for me. It's Pennsylvania. Actually, no, truthfully, if you look in West Virginia, the roads are totally different. There's huh. a plethora and, and there's a wonderful array, array of routes, just highway routes that are twisty and beautiful. But if you look at the map where I live and you scan out, zoom out like a hundred miles, it's not like that. And that's, it's, <laughs> ugh, it's Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. But, oh, uh, but a lot of the Northeast is, you know, is laid out that way. So it is, it is what it is. I ain't moving back anytime soon. Speaking of moving mm. back though, I did watch Santa, I, I know, don't be sad. I did watch San Andreas, the movie. Oh, <laughs> gross. No, I know. You disappoint me. No, I, they're cheesy. They're so much fun. Like, no, it was mm. terrible. It, no, it was, of course, it was a terrible movie. And movies like 2012 and the day of, they're terrible. But they're Big just geologist bad. Says thumbs down. I know. And that's why it's so much fun, right? <laughs> and, I, and I read some of the tweets from that woman who's a seismologist. And she's uh, tweeting. Lucy, Lucy yes. Jones. And it's so funny. But yeah, I mean, I just watched it because it's just so cheesy and and fun to watch San Francisco fall into the ocean and all the real estate open up, you know. But it was just fun. Just fun. It's like, you know, it's stupid fun. And it's, I know, it's all fun. You know fake what my and... stupid fun movie was this weekend? <laughs> Watching The Interview. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, speaking of movies that are fun and but not stupid, uh, I also saw Mad Max, and oh. there's some really really fun motorcycle scenes in there that are really surprising, really dangerous, and really really cool. Because at one point there's about five women, I think three of them are maybe in their seventies, and they're what? yeah they're riding around on fully modified BMWs. Uh, harleys hondas everything in wow. the desert it is really yeah there was a really cool scene were they younger stunts. women made to look 70 or were no. they actually 70 year old women no it was like three of them were had to be in their 70s and then wow. a couple of them were maybe in their maybe our age like late 30s early 40s and um yeah they were like the last living females or people of a um of a town like the last of their people and they were living in the desert and uh yeah they're riding but they're surviving and riding on a bunch of motorcycles there's actually a really cool uh i'll post a link to it there's a really awesome facebook album of all the bikes they used and you can Ooh. kind of yeah um i'll, I'll find it cool. and i'll post it and you can kind of look at them because at one point i saw on a, a bike and i and it looked like a gold wing i'm like that looks like a gold wing but it's not really gold wing anymore so they took these bikes and just kind of changed them up and you know chopped them up for the characters that were riding them so it was really cool highly recommend it fury road mad max good stuff nice <laughs> so i saw that um what else oh so 
We also are going to chat about the new lane splitting legislation in California. But before we finish with that, I, I do want to touch briefly. I've been getting a lot of emails, probably one or, I don't know, maybe a couple, two to three a week, messages, Facebook posts, just a variety of communications about um, what kind of bikes to ride if you're short. And I, I, you know, I have this post, this rather popular blog post that I made on my site, and I basically laid out and I posted every bike that I have ever had the opportunity to ride, not own, well, both. So all the bikes I've owned are in that list, but just anything that I, that somebody let me ride or something I test rode or even rode in the parking lot for like five minutes, just anything someone's been willing to throw me a key to. I've posted pictures of each one. All of them except one was lowered because uh, I, I just never, I don't know, I get more opportunities to ride bikes that aren't lower. So, you know, that post comes up a lot and I think it's coming up in Google. So I get a lot of messages and um, I, I feel bad because a lot of these questions I've been getting, like this one today, asking me, you know, if is my Triumph, you know, how low is it or how tall is it and is it uh, manageable? And no, it's really hard to answer that question because for me, it is very manageable. It's actually quite easy and it's not a big deal. I have absolutely no problems with the height, but that doesn't mean that everybody at my height will not have any problems or will have the same experience. So I, I almost feel like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean to mislead people in telling them that these are the bikes for you when you're short, but my post was more, not satirical, but um, I don't know what the word is. I don't even know how to really explain that. It was just my way of saying these are bikes that short people can ride even though they're not meant for short people to ride like drz 400s with a 35 inch seat height they're not meant for us to ride but i've ridden one and so you know i i feel like it should be shared that you know you can ride these bikes at some point and a lot of people ride them, but it's it's not necessarily the right bikes to start with. And, you, you know, you want to be really careful about trying to figure out what you can lower, what you should lower, whether or not it's appropriate to lower, um, that sort of thing. And it's a very personal decision as far as what motorcycle you're going to ride. And I, yeah, I, so I... Yeah, I just feel really, I mean, I feel bad, I feel bad that I kind of make people maybe get their hopes up in thinking that they can go out and buy a street triple or they can go out and buy a Duke. It's not, that's not my intention. That's not like the message I'm trying to communicate. And I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry if it comes off that way, but if you actually read my post um, and that, and some of the, the introductory um tips and things that I write about, it's very clear what my message is. So, uh, you know, I <laughs> hope that if you're looking for a bike um, and you are vertically challenged, that 
you're really looking at all your options and um, not taking what I'm saying literally in that regard. Um, I, I don't know. At the same time, I hope it motivates and inspires some of you to uh, shoot for a taller bike and put the time and effort into riding something smaller, maybe taller, but lighter, so that you can work your way up to a taller, heavier bike that you really do want to ride for, you know, a long time. Um, I'll, I'll post another link to that, that post, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the questions because I certainly want to help, you know, help people f try and figure out, um, you know, what their best options are and it's not easy. But um, I just, I hope it's not that, conf I hope it hasn't been that confusing for those of you who have read and who have read this, this post that I, that I wrote a long time ago. I think I wrote it like three years ago and every now and then I just keep updating and add another bike on that I've ridden and make a little comment about it or what I thought about it. Um, so I'll, I'll post that again so you can take a look at it. But um, just remember that if you are a little bit on the shorter side, male or female, doesn't matter, um, even taller, hell, if you're just new, you've never done this before, that it sounds crazy, but a taller, lighter bike will be far, far easier to deal with than a lower, heavier bike. If your goal is to ride something that's taller than what you think you can ride. You know, if, because if you're 5'3", then theoretically all you can really ride are short cruisers because they have 25 inch seat heights and you're flat footing, right? And your knees are really high because you're totally flat on the ground. But if your goal is, you know, you want to ride an adventure bike, maybe you want to buy a GSA someday or you want to buy a 990 Adventure or whatever, you're never going to learn how to if you're stuck riding really low, low cruisers. So you have to kind of jump up a little, a little higher, but lighter, you know, a, a bike with a 32 inch or 31 inch inseam that weighs 200 pounds is nothing. And it's not as intimidating either. So just something else to, uh, to think about as you're bike shopping and, you know, thinking about what to, what to ride. So that's that. Um, I guess lastly, we're just going to touch on this new lane splitting legislation that's being proposed. And have you read, uh, did you read that Wired article about it? I did. You did. I read most of it. I didn't read all of it, but I read through most of it. Um, well, it seems fine. I don't so, know. So if you're wondering, what do you mean lane splitting legal? <laughs> um, it's a gray area topic. It's not that lane splitting is necessarily in the books as legal in California and it's not that it's illegal. It's just not mentioned. It's something that's sanctioned, but it's not something that's explicitly legal or illegal. So what they're doing is politicians are looking to make it legal so that um, they can regulate it a little bit more, the, the actual um, act of lane splitting. So it's already passed through the state assembly without debate, and it's heading to the Senate. So <clears throat> that said, um, hopefully... Uh, once California gets this rolling, that 
other states can kind of pick up on it since technically speaking it's only allowable in california but in every other state it's explicitly written in their guidelines that it is illegal so um other states have kind of been working on considering passing it uh passing some sort of legislation as far as that and then the bill kind of touches upon allowing and authorizing motorcycles to drive in between stopped or slow moving vehicles as long as traffic is moving 50 miles per hour or less. So that's slightly faster than what I recall the Mm -hmm. uh, highway patrol guidelines were. And as long as the motorcyclist does not outrun traffic by more than 15 miles per hour. So I think it was at 20 before, like 40 and 20, and now it's 50 and 15. Something like that. I I wonder if if that higher number's in there, though, so that they can negotiate it down. Sure. So, um... So basically, you know, the, the Wired.com article that, that basically is called Yes, California, Let Motorcycles Ride Between Cars, um, they were just citing different studies saying that by allowing uh, lane splitting, you're reducing congestion for everyone overall. So I think um, one of the biggest advantages uh, that they note is just not putting yourself in a position where someone can rear-end you on the freeway because, as you've probably noticed if you're in at least Los Angeles, um, people are constantly getting into accidents, and most of them are little fender benders, and most of them are because someone's looking down at a phone and texting, but when it's two cars, it's no big deal. Maybe it's a scratch. Maybe they didn't even scratch your bumper at all. Maybe they didn't even bust the foam on your bumper, but if that's a motorcycle, then it's a totally different animal. Um, just a love tap that you're not prepared for can result in, you know, the bike basically falling on top of you or, you know, a number of really bad things. So one of the arguments for lane splitting is that you're in a safety kind of envelope, I think they uh, describe that, and you're in between uh, two vehicles as like a safety envelope as opposed to being in front of one that can accidentally rear-end you. And I think that they cited that California has the least amount of Uh, rear-end collisions with motorcycles compared to other states. Hmm. So um, hopefully uh, uh, this will help kind of green light uh, lane splitting in other states. We'll keep you posted, and we'll also share this wired link on our show notes. And then I guess something else related to, Mm -hmm. um, to... motorcycle safety is a road rage incident, uh, that happened in San Diego, I think, uh, over the weekend, um, last week where there was a, uh, San Diego Naval officer who was riding his Ducati on the freeway. And supposedly there was some sort of exchange, uh, with, with him and a, driver and what that exchange was we probably won't know exactly and basically they separated they had a little discussion maybe some gestures uh they separated he kept going and she crossed all the lanes of the freeway and clipped him from behind and actually ran him over with her car and it was a 26 year old woman i believe and uh she um was arrested and she was jailed, and she is uh, on the hook for first-degree murder, I believe it is. And Mm -hmm. today they had a rally in San Diego to meet. um, I don't know where they met, but they rode through Mission Valley over to the crash site, and they had a little bit of a memorial. And 
I will um, share with you a link on our show notes from NBC San Diego that did a, a quick little video. Previously, when I started reading this story, it was actually Brittany Morrow that um, posted something on Instagram that I that I reposted. They didn't have any video, but apparently some motorcyclists or motorists that were motorcyclists on the opposite side of the freeway saw some activity and took video of this going down on the opposite side of the freeway. Hmm. And so they have proof, or at least the video is suggestive, that the woman wasn't trying to get his license plate information because he tapped her mirror or kicked her car. She actually was tailgating him and clipped him a couple of times uh, before he lost control of his Ducati and she ran him over. So hopefully um, this kind of highlights, uh, you know, in a very sad way, hopefully this highlights road rage and how dangerous it is for anyone in a, in a motor vehicle to taunt someone that's riding a motorcycle because, you know, as motorcyclists are aware, it's totally different when you're on two wheels as opposed to four. Not only are you more stable, but there's like an, a, a metal shell around you that you don't get the benefit of when you're riding a bike. So, hmm. um, you know, just as a motorcyclist, uh, just be aware, you know, always be aware of your surroundings and, uh, you know, use use your, what am I trying to say? Um, keep your gestures to an absolute <laughs> minimum unless, I mean... I'm never going to say to someone, never gesture to anybody because I do it myself. But use your gestures with discretion because mm. there are certain people who, you know, I guess you can never really tell. So I guess I would just mm. say keep your gestures to a minimum unless absolutely necessary. And, you know, I mean, I'm even guilty of doing that stuff. I was driving home last week, riding home last week, and Fortunately, there wasn't anyone to the right of me, but as I'm riding, and I have the whole lane to myself, I wasn't even splitting, I see a car on the left to me, just not even signal, and he starts to coast over. And as he's coasting over, I'm coasting with him to the right, because I'm also trying to get, I'm coasting out of my lane to stay out of this guy's way. There is literally either no time for me, or no time for me to locate the horn, because as I've complained in the past, the mm -hmm. horn on the BMW is in the worst possible scenario <laughs> location for me. I just can't get it. And so, you know, I didn't even get a chance to honk, and finally when it was over and I'm safely in the opposite lane, I'm honking, and I look, you know, I, I'm slightly ahead of him so that he sees me on his, uh, you know, passenger right, and I'm pointing to my eyes, and then I'm pointing back to him like, hello, did you even notice that a motorcycle was there? If I was, you know, in between two cars, I don't even know where I would have gone. So, you know, we all drive cars. Most of us do, at least anyway. And we all ride. So definitely be aware of your surroundings. If you're in a car, be aware of, you know, uh, what's on either side of you and coming up behind you and always use your mirrors. Um, and, and encourage people to do, you know, also. So... There's my two cents. Yeah, don't get me started on how people drive here in Philly. It's like <laughs> the worst, the worst drivers I've ever seen in my entire life. Worse than San Francisco? <laughs> worse than L.A., worse than anywhere in, and I've ever been in anywhere. They do th weird, wow. They do things here that I've never seen in other cities, and that to me is why they're so terrible. Like they make left turns before the light turns green. They, wow. Yeah, they completely blow stop signs, like just... There's no stopping. There's all these 
last minute, lots of last minute lane changes. Like the X, the off ramps to the right, and they've only got a 50 yards maybe, and they slam their brakes on in front of mm. two or three other people behind them so they can quickly make that exit when it's clearly too late to do so. You know, at wow. the, yeah, they were, you're going to get creamed. Just terrible, terrible things here that I think um, there's some, I can't remember where I, we saw there's some. St- story about insurance or incidents, accidents. Um, and I think the city has just a ridiculous volume of, of accident reports. And then lots of people of, um, I don't know what you would call it, but just drivers with, um, history, I guess, like incidents, uh, on the streets, people who, who don't have licenses anymore who have suspended licenses, who have terrible driving records, but they're out driving because there's not enough enforcement of these people. Like there's not, wow. you know, the police are too busy with like drugs and crime. So there's just a disproportionate volume of bad drivers here. But then interestingly enough, my insurance is half what it was in San Francisco. So in in just <laughs> this episode, in episode 66 alone, this is Christy approaching Pennsylvania on her motorcycle. And this is Christy riding into like five other states around Pennsylvania just to avoid it instead of crossing right Philly. through it. It's really Philly. Not so much the rest of Pennsylvania, but it's more just sure. this this damn town. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. Even the bicyclists here are terrible. Like... I can't tell you how often bicycles will just blow the stop signs and they don't even look, they don't even look over to see if anybody's coming. They, they just keep looking straight and they, I guess they assume that cars will see them and stop for them, which is insanity because trusting a car to see you is way too much trust and they... They are, I've almost hit bicyclists because they don't notice me until they get into the intersection. After I've stopped, they just blow right through. Like, you know, I almost deserve to hit you, but I'm not. I, so I now I just try to even try to look for them knowing they're going to blow all the stop signs. And yeah, it's just a not a very good driver city, but it's where I am and thus why I'm... <laughs> trying to find better ways to navigate out of it. True. Well, I think those are all the stories we had for you. Um, Yeah, I think that catches us up for 66, not 67. And hopefully we'll be on time to come back and see you in two weeks for 67. By that time, I will be back on vacation. Oh, Oops, actually, I take that back. Will I be back yeah, on you've vacation? Got, you've got your <laughs> one-week trip, which, uh, forgive me for getting sidetracked to say, um, back it up. Uh, what's the one week in West Virginia you were talking about? All right, so I'm going to leave next Thursday, the 11th, and I'll be back on Tuesday, the 16th. Okay, um, so we'll be three weeks out. Yeah, it'll be three weeks, so I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be, it's just like five days, six days six days i'm gonna take an extra day off though before we leave so i can get my suspension looked at because it hasn't been set up for me so i'm gonna go do so that. what's the tuesday you get back and the i get back on monday the 15th 
Okay. Perfect. And I'll be working, yep, back at work on the 16th. So it's only five, six days. I wish it were longer. I don't know. Maybe I'll make it longer. We'll see. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. So the following Sunday. So is, is this a you and Evan trip or is this a West yeah, Virginia? This um... is the retreat. Okay. The retreat in uh, Marlinton that, I, that we talked about. Um, up in the mountains. So, yep. Should be fun. So I'll report back about that. Neil so Bailey will be there. Yes. Oh, okay. Her, her so it's, I think it's Tamla and Neil Bailey, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it should be fun to meet him. He seems like an interesting person. Yep. He's broken right now. So hopefully he'll be able to get up there. Uh, oh, well, he's hosting. So uh, <laughs> he won't be he... riding. Oh. Let's put it that way. Oh, really? Because he's hosting. There's like a whole day ride planned on Saturday. What did he break? Uh, femur, I think. Hmm. Mm. He's got pins and plates. Oh, well, then maybe he's driving. Maybe he's got a sidecar. Maybe someone's got him in a sidecar. <laughs> but there's a whole ride planned on Saturday. He's supposed to host? All right. Yeah, well, probably not. Guess we'll find out. Well, supposed to be there. <laughs> so that's where He'll we'll... be there. He just won't be riding. <laughs> oh, well. Maybe on the back, right? <laughs> Can you, right? Well, either way, it'll be interesting to meet him. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. So that's pretty much what I'll be up to next week. Are you going to be pretty Sweet. much in town? Uh, I believe so that weekend. I may or may not be running support for a for a friend doing mm. a, a golf tournament. So we'll mm. see. Mm. But um. At any rate, uh, if you have any questions for us, please visit us on our website, motorific.com. Also, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash motorificpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter as GearChick and ADVGoddess, and as well on Instagram as GearChick also, and Motorific Media, which is one word. So thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you for the next episode. See ya.